Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Great Quarter Gals, the very first episode, the inaugural episode, and the takeover of myself and Grace Sharkey. Moving on from the Great Quarter Guys, and let's just give some snaps to our editing team for that amazing intro. <laughs> Grace, it is so exciting to start this with you. We all know that Andrew Cox had the Great Quarter Guy stage, and his entire thing was, this is the show where the lines of freight and finance are none. And now we're taking it over and it's going to be the two of us. We're here hosting the show and, and you know, it's great quartered gals. So it's all about the female empowerment and the really strong females in freight, but we're going to still keep that finance edge to it, right? Definitely. I mean, the best part about this is that we want to show people that you know, financial information can come from someone that they don't normally see on TV. And that's, why I'm really excited to be here with you today and, and continue this tradition that um, has already been set forth by Andrew and um, it, be able to dive into some different topics that you and I don't get to touch on on Freightways now. It should be a lot of fun. I'm excited to, to host a show with you. I know this is, I feel like this has been like such a long time coming, right? Since you started writing for Freightwaves, I guess, has it been a year yet that you've been on Freightwaves? Very, very close. We're about one month away, a little, a little under a month. I think around February 18th-ish was my first day. So very close to one year. <laughs> and so since you started writing, you obviously just joined as a staff writer. And now you've taken so many different close-in views and just very, very interesting pieces of the freight industry. And you're making them very specific. Of course, you dabbled with Sebastian Blanco with the automotive supply chain on transmission. You've taken over point of sale. You've done a ton of writing about M&A and investments in the freight tech. You've done Meet the Investor series on FreightWaves.com. And so this last year has just been a really huge journey of growth for you. So I'm excited that we get to continue to take it forward on GQG now as well. Definitely. I know it's funny you say that. I just was thinking about, you know, on, on New Year's, like what a total 365 day turnaround this has been for me 360 degree turnaround so i'm i'm just so excited uh to be a part of the team and 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 really contribute to what freight waves does for this industry i mean it's my favorite part about interviewing people is every time i interview someone they thank us and they thank me for for being able to shed light on on things that mainstream media isn't really touching on and things that touch their lives. So this is just another outlet for me to do that. And it's, it's going to be a fun one for sure. <laughs> and so on our show, our goal is to really kind of highlight some of the amazing ladies of the freight industry from every single aspect. And today we're going to get started by welcoming two of our female hosts on our shows here at Freight Waves. We're going to have Mary O'Connell, who of course hosts Chet Call and Blythe Brumleaf, who hosts Cyberly. And we're going to talk to both of them a little bit later today. But before we get into them, we're going to kind of talk about our stories here. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you some questions first, Grace, and then maybe we can flip the script just to kind of give people a little bit of an introduction to both of us. And so we know that you're one of our staff writers and you do a lot of focus on different niche aspects. But let's talk about life before Freight Waves for you and kind of how you got started writing, how you got started in freight in general, and really what brought you to us here at Freight Waves. Yeah, so like most people in supply chain, I had an odd way of getting into the industry. I actually um, did a lot of fundraising in college and not the fundraising I get to talk about every single day. I'm talking about fundraising for just student programs, student scholarships, um, not my scholarships, unfortunately, but <laughs> others. 
And a lot of the skills to do that um, translate really well into the logistics space, um, especially because the best part about being a part of a logistics provider is you're, you're necessary to any customer you calls uh, and consumer products you know, being delivered in a timely fashion. So I went from trying to sell people to uh, really get nothing in return to selling a service. And a lot of times, you know, that's about really being honest with people and, and being true to yourself and, and creating a really good product. So right out of school, I actually joined a startup brokerage here in Lansing, Michigan, Fifth Wheel Freight. Uh, they're now in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And we we're able to grow that company um, from the three of us up into about 100 employees, about $80 million in, in revenue um, over about seven, seven and a half, eight years. And it really gave me such an insight on how important supply chain is, not just towards our everyday lives, but just learning business in general. I mean, at the end of the day, if you have any type of product or any type of service, they're more than likely some type of supply chain that's really the foundation of that in general. So a lot of my job was figuring out how to scale that that company and trying to figure out how to to um, implement different operations and make ourselves more lean. And honestly, a lot of that that work came from talking with people at Freightways. I remember when Freightways was just a like blog and there was no videos. Like I remember the day, and I think I've said this before, but like I remember Zach Strickland's like first day in front of the camera. And first of all, what great improvement he's had. But <laughs> it's just I was so, <laughs> yeah, no, let's give it a snaps for Zach Strickland and how much he's gotten better on camera. And, I, you know, we hired, you guys hired Emily Zink, and that was, like, the first, I remember when Emily started, it was the first, like, aha moment where I was like, oh, this company is doing something and doing something really cool. And... And I just love watching it grow. Uh, would call into the serious radio show and talk to Dooner. Got close to Kevin and um, got really close to actually uh, a person you've had on your show in the past, Ryan Schreiber. And so when I left that opportunity to start kind of going off on my own, you know, Ryan really pushed me. He's like, you love Freightways. You should, you should go for this. And you'd be great at, at writing and being part of their editorial team. And I wrote through throughout college and, Honestly, I'm I'm not a great writer. The, edit, the editing staff here is is fabulous. I just know the questions to ask and how to how to get it on paper. And um and I just took a shot at it. And it was it's honestly the best decision I've ever made in my whole life. And I love working here. And I love how creative everyone lets us be. And 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 really every single person in leadership just really trusts everyone in their role. And it's, it's just such a, a great opportunity. And so that's, that's really what got me here. And I love, I just love teaching people and seeing people grow in this industry, whether it's a driver getting a, a new lane or it's a, a brokerage, you know, breaking their $10 million mark or, you know, uber getting trans place like it's just it's really fun to watch and be a part of and um i'm so excited that i've you know got the opportunity to be here today and 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 be a part of this this amazing journey and and, and ride in general and it's crazy just to watch the ride that freight waves has been on as a company even through 
the end of 2020, what we thought was coming out of the pandemic and adjusting to the new normal to the huge strides that were made in 2021. And now we're sitting here just at the precipice of this new year, like the really the sky is the limit for us here at Freight Waves. A hundred percent. The absolute sky is the limit. And that's, you know, I was, I was just talking to some people uh, today, even from like Project 44, and just they were just talking about how crazy, you know, Freightways has grown and how how much our, our readers really do trust us and, and what we're reporting and what we're bringing to the table. And you've, and that's everything from just, you know, M&A and, and how the finances of different companies to, to writers like, you know, Clarissa Haas, who are fighting the great journey and are finding the great uh, uh, schemes out there and bankruptcies and, and different problems that this industry has. And so it's, uh, we're all really happy to be a part of it. And um, it's, I can't say more than, I'm just excited to see where we are even a year from now. Absolutely. Coming to Freight Waves and joining the staff in 2020 was kind of this like aha moment because I had been here in Chattanooga in a very traditional news journalism setting since 2018. And this company was just kind of like the new kid on the block, right? Like they were starting to make waves in this like B2B media space and like ripplings around the general journalism industry of who who is that company that is now just doing this awesome stuff and doing this really good reporting and watching the growth even just when I started in 2020, I think that we had five shows airing. And we're, I believe it's it's pushing 21 or 22 different shows of streaming content and streaming shows now airing. And being a part of that growth, as you mentioned, is just like, it's wild to see. And to know that we have the support of Craig Fuller, our founder well, and CEO, and have, has hit, have his blessing to, as you mentioned, just be as creative as possible is awesome, especially when it comes to this journalism space. Yeah, you know, I, I do have a question for you too, Kaylee, because, you know, you come from a, that interesting, I, I don't think a lot of people understand, you come from a, a little bit of a, a weather background, if, mm-hmm. I, if I have that right. Um, and it's funny because weather is such an important piece of moving freight and getting things from A to B. So what was it for you to, to come here to an experience like this industry and especially with that type of background? I'm, you know, I'm going to have to hold this question until we get done with our guest today, because I have like a five minute tangent I can go on with this, Grace. But the short end of things is just this, yes. like weather itself is so impactful, as you mentioned, and it touches every single aspect of your life, even if you don't realize it. And the freight industry, of course, absolutely relies on accurate weather forecasts and accurate weather predictions, which meteorologist Nick Austin does a great job of providing for us every single day, both on Freight Waves Now and in his weather videos. But it's, it's so much more than that, especially when you take something like a very physical, tangible science like meteorology and put it into tangible industry where an accurate prediction can be the difference between a driver getting stuck on I-95 in Virginia for 24 hours or successfully delivering their, delivering their load before the snowstorm hits. So I'm going to table that and we'll bring that back up and I'll relate it back to journalism on yes. the second half of our show because right now we've got to take our first quick break And when we come back, we'll be back with our first guest, Mary O'Connell. All right, everybody, welcome back to this inaugural episode of Great Quarter Gals, the show where the lines between freight and finance in females are none. So right now we're going to welcome one of our staff writers here at Freight Waves as well. She is our 3PL expert. 
She is the host of our show and podcast, Check Call. She is an amazing writer of our newsletter, Check Call, as well, that goes out on a weekly basis. We've got Mary O'Connell here with me and Grace today, and we're talking all about what kind of goes on in the brokerage space, from transitioning out of a brokerage into writing about brokerage, being a show host and a newsletter writer. Mary, thank you for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me. I'm really excited. I was, I've literally been waiting for the first episode for a very long time. So I'm glad it's here. Well, it's <laughs> great to have you, Mary. You and Grace have ping-ponged back and forth with guests on each other's shows. And so now it only feels right to like culminate it all together, right? Obviously, you guys and Grace are also on Freight Waves now, and I get to chat with y'all all the time. But it feels good to have all of us together in one space. Yes, it's like one giant little like, like party. If we were all in, if we were like all in the studio, we'd probably be like, I don't know, looking half as cute as you do. Sorry. I'm just very obsessed with how adorable you look today. Thank you. (laughs) So Mary, let's go ahead and get started. We, me and Grace were kind of talking about our origin stories in the freight space and in the journalism world and our journeys from what we were doing before joining Freight Waves to now being a part of this organization. So let's talk to you about the same thing as well. We know that you started in brokerage and you were working in a brokerage for a while, which has given you all of your credibility as a 3PL expert. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about that and your time spent in the brokerage space. So the best part is um, I have a very similar story to getting into logistics like just about everyone else. Um, And a surprise to no one, uh, logistics and transportation was not my first option. I went to school to be marketing and I was like, oh, I'm going to be market research. Like I'm going to analyze so many marketing campaigns. It's going to be great. Um, And then turns out when I went to go apply for a job, those weren't super plentiful. And so I reached out to this um, staffing agency. I was like, look, like got to pay those student loans. I need a job. What can you do for me? And like, yeah, we've got this customer that needs someone to do like track and trace. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but they pay well. So sounds good. I'll do it. Um, so that's how I got into transportation. And from there, I have tried to leave a few times and it just says, no, no, just come back. Um, So I got to uh, work there. I did some operations support. And then from there, I went um, to become an on-site dispatcher um, for 3PL at our customer. Um, And then I moved into brokerage. And then I finally left the brokerage game and went into LTL pricing and procurement. And uh, it was was pretty nice to jump into pricing and procurement because that meant I did not have to pretty much do, I'd have to be on call 24 seven because most of the time, like, I don't know about you. I've never heard of a pricing emergency happen at 2 AM. Um, so that was really nice to move into that and kind of get a better work-life balance. Um, because you know, most pricing problems happen between the normal working hours. So when I left for the day, I didn't have drivers calling me. I didn't have them texting me. I didn't have them saying like, oh, this isn't where it's supposed to be. I can't get into this guard shack. I could literally just like go home and then um, just go to work the next day. It was great. Um, So that's kind of how I ended up here. And it's a a, a little windy journey like everybody, but uh, it's it's been a fun one. Uh, you know, we've actually talked about this in the past. Her, her and I both have such a deep broker uh, experience in our past. And, you know, it's 
and I definitely think it's changing, which is really great to see. But uh, the brokerage world is is has been definitely male driven. And how have you, Mary? How have you gotten through all these different types of roles and and worked through that type of you know male dominated culture to to really get to where you are today? Because I think you're, you're I love your show and I think that you give great advice and I just wonder, you know, how did, how are you able to build those experiences and network and, and, and this kind of male culture that we're slowly starting to, to build out of? So I actually have a very unique perspective on this. Um, obviously the first job I started when I did operations track and trace, I was one of six girls in the entire floor, like across they had different regions across the entire country. I was one of six girls. Um, and we were all in different regions. We were all in different positions, but no one was really at like a management position. It was like, you're basically an account manager. You were in charge of one warehouse and that was it. Um, and so that's like the highest anyone was for a very long time there. And then, and I think even still, that's not the point. But then from there, I went to, um, when I was a dispatcher for a little bit as our on-site representative, like we were at our customer. Um, I was in an office where everyone was a female, like almost every single person, except for one of our managers. And like, I think there was a dozen guys out of 50 people. They were all female. Now that was good, but that was also a bit of a nightmare um, for, you know, women not 100% getting along together all the time. Um, so that was very <laughs> unique and different is that I went into work every day and I was like, wait, I went from somewhere that was a whole bunch of guys and dude bros and like, we're going to go to beers and sporting games and do the typical broker, heavily male culture to... Um, a all women office. And I was like, what is this? Is this how this is supposed to be? So that was different. And then when I went <laughs> into another brokerage, I was like, oh no, this is it. This is it. This is the, like the all women office is a minority, but the, uh, but then when I moved into it, into another office, I was like, oh, okay, no, it, I would, the first react, the first experience I had with it was correct. Um, so then from there, and then it was kind of nice moving into more of like what some would consider the corporate se uh, section of it, where I would sit in pricing and procurement because um, a lot of the places that the first place I was in pricing and procurement, there was not a lot of female leadership. Um, and then the second place though, was a women owned uh, uh, CEO, she was the women owned 3PL. So it was very cool to see someone um, that was just like, yeah, I'm a girl. I own a 3PL. What's up? It's extremely successful. And um, she, it was a family company that she had taken over and she had just kind of transformed it and said like, yeah, like this is, this is it now. Like we're women owned and most of senior leadership was women. And that was nice to kind of come full circle to be like, oh, wait, no, like women can do this job just as good as men, if not a little bit better. Mary, I love that story about kind of the culture shock between the male-dominated versus the female-dominated. And I think especially in startup culture, there's kind of this stereotypical that a startup has to have this like cool mentality. And that cool mentality often underlies very like masculine male-dominated tones, right? You think about like, I've got the basketball net in the office and then we've got the kegerator downstairs. And that's it's yes. very stereotypically male. And 
it's it's kind of interesting to see almost like the yin and yang versus those two culture stereotypes. And do you think that there's kind of a place for like harmony between the two of those in either the 3PL space or just in the startup space in general? Oh, absolutely. So the place that I left before I was at Freightwaves, um, they, it was a women-owned company, like I had mentioned, and um, they had a very nice balance of um, like the, the, so there's like the corporate section and then they, we still had the brokerage and it was kind of everything all tied into one like most 3PLs have. And um, we had, we had ping pong tables. We had a pop, pop, pop shot, the the basketball one. I don't remember the name of it, but we had that. We had a beer fridge. We had everything like that. Like we had the stereotypical like male dominated brokerage um, aspects, but then we also had like, if you had to leave early to go pick up a sick kid from work, there was flexibility to do that. If you had to, um, if you weren't feeling well and you wanted to work from home because you just didn't feel good or you didn't want to get everyone else sick, there was that flexibility. So it was kind of a nice, like you have your stereotypical brokerage things that are very common in every like, oh yeah, we're brokerage um, combined with like the understanding (laughs) and the like, oh, okay. If something happens, like you have a life outside of work. And, um, I mean, they were a very big family culture atmosphere. And so it definitely, that definitely bled into it. So it was kind of like a nice marriage of like a little bit of everything. Um, and there was something for everyone. Uh, whereas other places I had worked in the past, like it didn't necessarily have a ping pong table or, uh, any other amenities. Um, occasionally, like once a quarter, they'd wheel a beer cooler out and be like, we appreciate you. Um, so I think it ultimately just comes down to like how much uh, and how willing the senior leadership is to get involved and to really kind of listen to what their people want. And um, it's not just about a beer fridge and a ping pong table anymore. Like people want a little bit more flexibility with their roles and um, the working from home. And I think as long as people continue to listen and think about that, then the sky's the limit. A hundred percent. And you know, it's interesting as I think uh, a lot of times uh, leaders look at it like, well, if we do more female focused type of events that you know maybe the the males who might be the majority of your staff at the time might not want to be included or might not want to be active but honestly every time I've seen that play out in real life it's the complete opposite whether it's like maybe you do a wine night or something the guys want to be just as involved and so I think what what you said is perfect it takes leadership to stand up and say hey let's go over our way to to appease this this audience a little bit more and see how much closer our culture can actually get so Mary uh tell us where can our viewers get more information on check call and subscribe. (laughs) Well, first of all, you can go to freightwaves.com slash check call and subscribe to that newsletter that comes out twice a week. The today's edition is actually going to come out in about four minutes. So if you hurry up and subscribe, you'll be able to get it hot off the presses. Um, It comes out Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then um, the podcast of check call comes out on Wednesdays. Uh, You can find me on LinkedIn at Mary O'Connell. You can find me at Twitter under Mary O underscore 119. So, you know, just hang out and you'll find me. And of course, Mary, you can also join us on alternating Mondays. I think it's the second and the fourth Monday of every week or of every month here. And you join us on Freight Waves now for a conversation about the hottest topics in 3PL coverage and brokerage coverage. You're coming up next week for us next Monday. You'll be on with us at 930. 
Do you have any ideas that you're working on just kind of in the background that we can kind of so Monday show? I've actually taken a new approach this year and each month we're going to focus on one overarching topic. So this month has been a lot of carrier retention, um, driver retention, things that drivers actually want. Um, and it's just kind of different technique or different tips, techniques and things that, and tools that might be out there. Um, that's more than just like, Oh, here's a new, um, digital freight matching freight board. And that's going to solve all your problems. Um, so we're kind of diving into some of those different things that um, maybe might help drivers be more willing to come back to your brokerage and your 3PL um, outside of just like, here's a medal, we appreciate you. And here's a Starbucks gift card. Have a nice day. So just some of those other tips and tricks that maybe not everyone is um, that not everyone has thought about before that are just super easy fixes that you can just implement. And all of a sudden your carrier's calling you back and they want to do more than just a one-off load. Amazing. Mary, thank you for being our first guest on Great Quarter Gals. Great to have you. I'm extremely honored. Thank you so much for having me. And great to have you a part of Freight Waves as well. And we can't see, we can't wait to see what else you're going to help us do here on the show. I am excited for the show. I think you guys are doing great things and I'm excited for its future as well. Awesome. We will talk to you soon. Bye guys. All right, Grace, before we go to our next break, we're going to introduce one of my favorite people here at Freight Waves. I think that we talk to this person once a week on Freight Waves Now. We hear her show once a week, but she is probably one of the most active, exciting people on LinkedIn. She's on TikTok. She's on Twitter. She's on social media. She is a Jags fan, despite all of the awful football that they have played this what year. What a sad life. Yeah, what a sad life that is. <laughs> and I just, I cannot be more complimentary about our next guest. Give us, give us your short little introduction before we go to break. Uh, well, uh, let me tell you, first off, uh, Blythe uh, Brumley is one of my favorite people. I've talked to her outside of even just Freightway stuff, and she, uh, we've gone back and forth on how much of best friends we should actually be. She, for me personally, is the reason I made sure I updated my own background and what I have going on in the back. And she is the perfect um, example of how important marketing is in this industry to sales. If there's something I could go back and do um, differently in growing a brokerage, it's it's really mirroring those two subjects together and really pushing uh, marketing drives and campaigns through sales um, to just achieve a better effect and, and reach different customers. So uh, I'm excited to have her on and have her chat about the things that she's working on here um, in the upcoming months. And I'm excited to to have her um, become one of the Freightways family. When I saw that she had the Cyberly uh, happening, I knew, once again, Freightways, we're on top of it. We know exactly <laughs> the talent that we need to get. So I'm uh, really excited to see her uh, on the show today. Absolutely. We will have Blythe Brumleaf here after this short break. So we'll be right back with more Great Quarter Gals in about three minutes. Welcome back to Great Quarter Gals. I can't get over that intro every time I watch it. I feel like it pays just enough I... respects to the original Great Quarter guys, Kevin Hill and Andrew Cox, but still puts our nice little fresh spin on things. So thank you guys for joining us for this first inaugural episode. If you're just joining us, it is myself and Grace Sharkey. We are going to take over the Great Quarter Guys stage and make it Great Quarter Gals talking about the strong women leadership in the freight industry, but still keeping that finance spin on things. We just finished up an interview with our 3PL expert here from Freight Waves, Mary O'Connell. 
who is the writer of the Chat Call newsletter and the host of the Chat Call podcast. And now we're going to welcome our second live guest today. You might recognize her from her weekly appearances on Freight Waves Now. You might recognize her from leading the roles at Digital Dispatch, from hosting Cyberly, from all of your content marketing and sales needs. We've got Blythe Brumleaf here. Blythe, thank you for joining us again today. It's an honor to have you on our first show. Oh, likewise. I was just watching that intro and I was kind of geeking out a little bit. I was like, oh, wait, they need to change that. And then it, went, it shifted into the Crate Corner gals. And I was like, oh, good job. I'm over here like the cheerleader. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Blythe, Grace and I, we just introduced you before we went to that last break. And Grace was just so excited to get to chat with you today. And of course, me and you talk on a weekly basis. And so I'm just going to let her start right off with it. Grace, you take it away and let's get into this interview with Blythe. Yeah, Blythe, uh, first of all, I just, I'm a huge fan. I've told you this uh, through multiple emails that I constantly like to send you is just uh, promoting <laughs> everything that you do. And, um, you know, it's really great to see the content that you bring to our audience. I think it's uh, content that not a lot of people see, not a lot of people kind of understand is important to everyday type of logistics provider and making sure that they're marketing their story correctly. And, you know, just in general, uh, tell me about how you got into this business and, and how you've gotten to this point now where you're running digital dispatch and, and having a few other, uh, looks like your school book playbook coming out soon too, as well. Oh, thank you so much for, for that awesome introduction, because it's been a, a long journey, I think, for me. And I I, I echo the sentiment for, for both of you ladies, like a big fans of all of the content that you're making and out here trying to spread awareness and, and, and giving a platform to to other women in this space, which we haven't exactly seen, you know, over the, the long history of transportation and logistics, <laughs> especially when it comes to media coverage. Um, and I think that that's one of the bigger reasons why I got into this space is because I started out as an executive assistant at a 3PL who had a side hustle of a sports and entertainment blog. Um, and I was working at that 3PL for close to five years and I was put in charge of their marketing fairly quickly because my boss, the, the CEO at the time, found out about what I was doing on the side. So he said, well, why don't you just handle our website and our marketing for us? So it was sort of a trial by fire for me. Um, for, for those first handful of years. And then unfortunately, uh, the company ended up closing. So it was one of those situations where I, you know, the, the blog wasn't, it was only, you know, just supplemental income, it wasn't enough to live off of. Um, so I found myself in a sort of a fork in the road of not exactly sure which way to go. And then all of a sudden, an opportunity came up to work at a local magazine here in Jacksonville. I, I got promoted pretty early on and, and got promoted to their editor-in-chief role. So I got to take that sports and entertainment knowledge and then bring it into a print mag format where I can then shed a light on different stories from like the fishermen over in uh, a certain part of town to uh, the new art exhibit that that's popping up on this side of town. So it was a really great way to expand what I was already doing into different areas and then, then to take that opportunity that it turned into a sports radio opportunity because there was a sports radio station in town that was launching a, a, an all-female football show. So it was one of those opportunities that I just sort of lucked into. I never went to school for, for broadcasting or for journalism, which you might be able to tell in some of my writings when I mess up from time to time. Um, but once I, I got into that sports radio realm, it was a, a ton of fun. 
but it also was the opportunity to take what you learn while you're writing and then apply that to radio. Because from what I found out is that for a lot of journalism students is that they start off by writing and then they get into radio and then they get into TV. So that was a sort of similar path here locally that I took. And then when sports broadcasting, especially covering the Jaguars, I feel like I have to mention them each time I come on a freight wave show. But with covering the Jaguars in a losing season after <laughs> losing season, it's one of those things where it just weighs on you. So I lasted about five years covering this Jaguars organization before I said, okay, I, I got to focus my sole efforts on digital dispatch, on the logistics and freight, because that's where my bread and butter is. And I saw an opportunity because of the lack of creators and or the lack of the mass adoption of creators. Sports and entertainment is flooded with creators, YouTubers, TikTokers, all different kinds of, of, of creators in that space. But logistics was lacking at the time. This was a few years ago. Um, and so, so much has grown since then. So pretty much started the new podcast on Digital Dispatch. It was a few months later that we started up the Cyberly show. And then, you know, fr from there, it's just been an awesome, amazing experience to continue to get to talk to some of the smartest people on the planet about it, 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 the industry as old as, you know, it, human existence mm -hmm. and transportation. I think one of the things that's really <laughs> interesting, like specifically exactly. about Cyberly and about all of your content marketing experience is that you add this very nuanced touch of media literacy into content marketing when it comes to freight and logistics. It's, it can be kind of difficult as a marketer, as a PR professional, or even as a salesperson to really sit down and think, okay, how do I get this information across to people on a broader platform or using new platforms or using social media or something of the like and do it in a way that's digestible and accessible and makes sense to people. And that's really where your bread and butter is and the entire point of both Cyberly and Digital Dispatch and the Freight School Playbook. It's how do you create good content and create good content that works in your nuanced industry, right? I, it's a constant struggle, to be honest. It's <laughs> one of those things where it's, you have to, I, I always try to put the audience first. And when you put the audience first, I think you have to be a good reader and a good listener because then you're you're digesting other people's content and you figure out what you like about their content and what you don't like about their content. And so I always want to come at it with an approach of that one person marketer, because I have been that one person marketer. And a lot of times I still am. So it's up to me, myself, and I, if, if leads aren't coming through the door, I have to change up something that I'm doing. I'm not getting my messaging across. If folks don't know what I'm doing, or, or the services that I provide, that's my problem. And that that's something that I need to fix. And so I resonate a lot with the other freight companies out here that don't have time to or don't have the budget or don't see a reason for the budget to hire a full time marketer, because they've just done things the same way throughout the entire you know history of their company. So why should they change it? But with COVID, it really taught us all that marketing is all of a sudden extremely important. Getting your messaging out there is extremely important. Being the person, being the face of your organization is also very important. And being able to convey that in a video format or an audio format is so much more valuable. And so for a lot of companies now, they, they, they've been forced to buy microphones and to buy webcams. And now they are forced to have these sales meetings, you know, through Zoom or through another platform. And now they're starting to get comfortable with it. And so I think that they start to see that, hey, this stuff kind of works. And you know what all these other marketing people were probably trying to sell us on for the last decade 
they might have been onto something. And so I think for a lot of these companies, it's it's been a slow progression into it. But COVID was the thing that that really was the straw that broke the camel's back because now they realize the the power of it and the power of being able to reach so many more people by making one three minute long video and posting it up to LinkedIn and seeing that live on forever. And instead of making, you know, 100 sales or 100 cold calls in a week, and you might not see any traction from that, you make one three minute long video, and that can have traction for weeks, months, sometimes years in the future. Definitely. And now you have this great uh, freight uh, broker uh, playbook, sorry, sorry, freight school playbook coming out, um, which was really interesting. And I love this because you just did an episode about uh, different classes that are out there, right? And whether or not things are a scam or where you should invest your time in. So what is what have you done to make sure that there's going to be really good value for people that are a part of that program and, and learning from you and about these different critiques? So I have a funny story about Freight School Playbook because um, it ended up being kind of a disaster for me. So I had this brilliant idea (laughs) during COVID that Freight School Playbook, people needed educational resources. I wanted to be the person to provide, you know, I'm I'm an open book. So if you ask me any kind of marketing sales question, I'm just going to provide it to you. So I was like, (laughs) I took a course on starting a membership site. And I said, that's what I'm going to do. And I did it. And um, it ended up kind of flopping. Um, I didn't sell it right. I didn't do a lot of things right. I actually did a whole episode on this about a year ago about all the ways that I messed up launching this product. So what I ended up doing is about four or five (laughs) months ago, I merged Freight School Playbook into Digital Dispatch and I made the courses free. So I think where I messed up big time is by number one, charging for the courses when you can find a lot of this information out on YouTube for free. Um, What you can't find it is in a digestible format where you can take it in just a few hours. So that was my, that in my thinking now is after merging the two together, all the courses now you can take for free on digital dispatch. um, But I use it as almost like a lead generation now. So then that way I can get that active feedback and that active insight into what where folks are getting stuck in their content marketing and when er, and how I can help them get unstuck. And mm-hmm. so from a freight school playbook, I use it as like sort of a, a funny antidote that, you know, I can talk marketing all day long, but they, at the end of the day, you still need to make your sales. And if you're not making sales and something is wrong. So that forced me into learning more about the revenue generating opportunities that I could be taking advantage of that people actually want. Because the market, I thought I knew what the market wanted, and I didn't. And I I fell flat on my face with it. And so it was one of those situations where it was a great learning experience. I was extremely (laughs) frustrated at the time. But now it's turned into an opportunity that I use it as an opportunity. And that's why I also preach so much about customer research and lead Mm -hmm. and prospect questioning, and the types of questionings that you or the questions that you ask that you asked are in that whole process is because it could save you a lot of time and it can save you a lot of money because I know firsthand that if you just run with what you think is a good idea, then it's, <laughs> you're probably going to fall flat on your face, which is um, exactly what I did. And it forced me to, to sort of take a step back and rethink everything. But I think at the same time that that falling flat on your face is this opportunity for growth and it's a learning place. And it's now a great story to tell for a jumping off point and a good direction back to that episode of yeah. Cyberly from last year. And speaking of Cyberly, you've got a show coming up 
on Thursday of today. And we'll have you on Freight Waves now tomorrow to talk about it a little bit. But give us a quick little promo. What are you working on for this week, Blythe? I am working. I'm not exactly sure if I'm going to have it ready for this week yet, but I'm working on the logistics of the merchandise that doesn't for teams that do not win. Um, so for example, Isaiah, our producer here is one experienced a great championship last night, but they print all of that championship merchandise weeks in advance. So what happens to all of the Alabama merchandise that was all printed? What what happens to it after the team doesn't win? So that's the story that I'm working on for this week. I'm hoping to get somebody on the show in order to talk about it. Um, but if not, I'm going to cover it a little bit and then I'll get that person on in a future show in order to, to highlight that. But more sales and marketing insight for sure, especially from, from the B2B perspective. Um, we also have Mark Manera coming on the show. It's the new year. He's very, he's extremely good at TikTok and getting awareness out for health and fitness, especially for drivers. Um, so I love what the trucking community has done on social media. So highlighting a little bit of that on this Thursday, Cyberly at 2 p.m. Well, in this case, we know that Georgia got the Alabama hats. So at least we know where one item went. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Blythe, thank you for joining us today on our first episode of Great Quarter Gals. And thank you once again for being a part of our Freight Waves ecosystem here. It's great to have your personality and great to have your perspective. We will catch you tomorrow on Freight Waves Now and Thursday on Cyberly. Thank you so much. Likewise, and congrats on the first show. Thank you. All right, we're going to toss it to our last break of the show today. We'll be back to wrap it up. I'll answer Grace's burning question about my origin story here for Freight Waves, and we'll give you guys a little bit sneak peek of her point of sale that comes out tomorrow. And welcome back. So Kaylee, tell us, how did you go from weather gal to great quarter gal? <laughs> so we're going to keep this one short and sweet, but the bottom line is that the last two years or so have taught me that my passion for journalism really lies in getting to talk to people about what they're passionate about, right? And Freight Waves and this show and Freight Waves Now has really just given me like the hugest opportunity to talk to everybody about what gets them excited because the freight and transportation industry is changing on a daily basis and everybody that's participating in it is so excited in this change. So it's just getting to speak to everybody from, you know, brokers at like their entry point in the game to CEOs of, country, of companies that are just growing at exponential rates has just been like chef's kiss. And it's awesome being here on this show with you, Grace, is also one of those things that is just absolutely mind-blowing and amazing. And I'm blessed that I get to do this every single day as part of Freight Waves and just to get to continue to further my journalism career. And, you know, that's pretty much my story, just getting into the journalism world and getting to talk to people about what they're passionate about. And before we head out today on this show, we're actually going to plug your show that comes out tomorrow, Point of Sale, tie in that little finance aspect before we let you go today. Exactly. So the big point of, of this show is that we want to keep you guys up to date what's going on in the markets. And I think one perfect example for us to look at that we've actually put in our Point of Sale newsletter is Bed Bath & Beyond. Who doesn't love Bed Bath & Beyond? They have everything. It's I the do. store you go to when you forgot to buy that Christmas gift, right? Well, bad news. This year, they didn't have the gifts on the shelves. And so this last earnings call, uh, and just to give you so a little bit of background, Bed Bath & Beyond, they end their quarter at the end of November. So they still are in their fourth quarter technically. But in their Q3 earnings, they actually showed that they lost about $100 million in sales due to issues with their supply chain. 
So um, what happened was uh, when people were going into the stores, they just didn't have anything on the shelves, which is kind of the point of the F&B. There's so much stuff there that you can really find whatever you need. Mm -hmm. So for them to not have anything in stores is a huge detriment to their overall sales. The other thing, and this is the kind of the technology that I dive into on point of sale. Um, when you order off their website, they're actually using a third party system, kind of like Amazon. And a lot of those third party vendors weren't in stock. So how do you, how do you have such a, a huge company, huge public company? And how do you hold your third party vendors accountable to make sure that that inventory is there in order to support the sales that you have coming in? Positive news, CEO uh, believes that they've fix those issues. They don't expect that to happen again. Um, and it shows you that hopefully in the, in the upcoming months, you have a hundred million dollars in sales to make up, but it shows you that not every business model is the same and that different inventories require different supply chain models. And so hopefully in this show, we can show you more of those examples and make sure that you guys subscribe and become members of the point of sale community so they can learn a little bit more about these type of events that happen to um, various companies throughout uh, logistics and supply chain in general. And that's really interesting to see coming out of the holiday season because at the end of last summer, Bed Bath & Beyond was one of those companies that was talking about paring down their SKUs and paring down their inventory <laughs> to try and make that bottom line a little bit yeah. healthier. And that just wasn't the case. So Grace, it's, it's very interesting to see that you're gonna dive into this tomorrow on point of sale. What time is that show airing tomorrow? That's on at uh, 2 30 tomorrow. So I do have a fun guest. We're going to talk about dwell times and how we're making drivers happy uh, at unloading at these retailers. Uh, but we'll dive into Bed Bath and Beyond as well and a couple other things from that past newsletter. So go catch that. Of course, you can find that here on tv.freightwaves.com where all of our streaming content is. Grace, that does it for our first show, but we will be back next Tuesday at three o'clock. We'll have half hour shows now moving forward, featuring a strong female leader from the transportation industry. That finance news. Thank you for joining us.